0: Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy Old Man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grumpy, there's actually a little bit of Islanders news. Um, And again, during this time period, it's very hard to come across. But at least there's some news regarding players that the rights are owned by the Islanders. And we're specifically talking here about Ia Sorokin. Now, we had talked about the situation and and the possible um, road bumps that could be in the way as to signing E.S. Sorokin over to the New York Islanders.
1: Speed and bumps. Speed bumps. Speed bumps. Not road, I bumps. Like road
0: bumps. I like road bumps, Grumpy.
1: No, it's speed bumps. You know, like those things you drive over that impede you when you drive? They're not called road bumps. They're called speed bumps.
0: Fair enough, Grumpy. I, like, I still like the word road bumps, but I'll, I'll go ahead and use... To, so no, go no, ahead and no. give me a real man. I will use speed bumps.
1: It doesn't It doesn't matter what you like. It's not what it's called. It, they're called speed bumps, not road bumps, okay? <laughs> that's what they're called. Just because you want to invent some name because you don't know the real one does not mean that you should say, well, that's the way it should be because it's not. They're called speed bumps. Hold so on. Are you trying to – are you trying to
0: tell me that nobody has ever used the phrase road bumps before? I'm gonna say,
1: yes, I'm going to say no one's used the name. Yeah, no, bumpy road. Like that's if you have potholes or, you know, divots in a road. Those are called, I, they're not even called road bumps, you know. But here's the thing like the things that are like little humps in the road that they're called speed bumps. Why? Why were they put there? So that people reduce their speed. They're called speed bumps, not road I, bumps.
0: I don't, I don't call them speed bumps, road bumps all the time, but I'm just saying, I feel like somebody has used the term road bump before. You. I don't want to think I just come up with this in my brain and nobody's thought of this before.
1: I think that is exactly what happened. It just came into your little brain and you said that everyone uses it. No one uses the name road bumps. They're called speed bumps. Not everyone. Bump.
0: I will say, I feel like somebody has used it at one point in time, Grumpy, but don't let it distract you. Um, I, The real th- the real topic I want to go ahead and dive into is not road bumps or speed bumps, uh, Grumpy. It is we had talked a little bit about Elias Sorokin and possibly how the NHL and the NHLPA are going to have a back and forth maybe on whether Sorokin would be able to be signed during this year. Um, and so he could go ahead and get his entry level contract deal out of the way. And for the 2020-2021 season, he would be able to sign uh, – I won't call it a real contract, but he'll be able to sign a legitimate professional contract that's not the entry-level max, which I think is 925000 So we kind of briefly touch base about that. And since our last podcast, Grumpy Old Man, uh, it is actually rumored that CSKA Moscow and Sorokin are in the early talks on a one-year extension.
1: Right. Um, I... I wouldn't get Islander fans in full panic mode yet. I think they're just making discussions at this point in time. So no reason to get into full panic. I know that the NHLPA, you got to remember, this policy that the NHL uh, put in place, they just kind of arbitrarily decided that. And it kind of, I don't know if it's legal or not, where they can just do that. But I know, uh, according to Mike Russo, of the athletic uh, he mentioned that the NHLPA is going to really be digging in their, digging in their heels on this. Um, So, and I think we've seen so far with the, the NHL and the NHLPA getting together for the new, for the playoffs here this summer, that they are willing to bend on certain items. Uh, The NHL wanted to have the play in round be five games. And then the first round of 16 be be five games also. And the players said that they wanted to have seven game series for the round of 16 going forward. And the NHL agreed to that. So perhaps, uh, you know, they're willing to bend on this. Also, I said, I don't know how legal it is for them just to do that and just say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. I don't know if they can just decide that or not. So I think really that's something that could be negotiated. Um, And also that the contract that uh, if he did sign with uh, CSK Moscow would just be a one-year deal, supposedly. Uh, so all hope his, rights, his well.
0: rights would still be owned by the New York Islanders um, as long as he signed there with CSK in Moscow. But I wanted before we we jump a little bit further in the Sorokin situation and everything that surrounds it. You said something interesting, Grumpy Old Man. You said that the NHL only wanted the round of 16 to be five games when the NHLPA wanted it to be seven games. Now, the reason I'm saying that's interesting is why would the NHL only want the round of 16 to be five games, where if it was seven games, again, you'd have an extra – ideally in certain scenarios for the NHL, you'd have two additional games where you can make revenue on. Why would they only want the round of 16 to be five games?
1: Well, I don't know because I wasn't in on those meetings, but it could be, <laughs> it could be that, uh, you know, they kind of wanted, maybe they wanted to cut the playoff season shorter a little bit so they could start next season a little bit earlier. I realize it's only two games, uh, but, you know, it could be have something to do with scheduling for arenas for next year. There could be a lot of different reasons, but obviously it was not something that uh, was a breaking point for the NHL. Um where they said, fine, they went with that. Uh, Also, another interesting thing is that uh, the seeding is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Instead of what they're going to go with is they're going to reseed every round of the playoffs. So the best team is going to be playing the worst team left in the playoffs going forward. So that could benefit certain teams, hurt other teams, who knows.
0: Yeah, and we kind of talked about this last podcast. It's whatever team gets hot and whoever's goalie really, really finds his rhythm early on is going to be, you know, the toughest team to beat. And if that's a team that, you know, might be a lower-seeded team, you could see a guy like that, you know, the proverbial David taking out a Goliath-esque type of of storyline. So that definitely is a possibility, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I I do think you're right when we're talking about Sorokin. I think the NHLPA is going to do anything they can to allow those entry-level deals to be signed for these guys in foreign leagues and even colleges this season. Uh, Some of them might play for their respected organizations. Some might not. Uh, Again, when we're talking about Sorokin, I don't think he actually would touch the ice for the Islanders for this playoff scenario or situation. And the only reason they wanted to get him signed this year to the entry level contract is so that for that 2020 2021 season he could earn more money and it's more enticing to keep him with the actual Islanders organization.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I don't I don't even think it has to do with the players playing this year. I think that what they're doing that, especially in Sorokin's case, they just want to get that entry level deal off the books. So if they can have him sign now and have this season count as that entry level deal, they can sign him as a restricted free agent going to the next uh, calendar season. And that's what and I think that's he's not the only one. I think there are other players in that same same scenario.
0: Most certainly there are.
1: Right. And it affects a lot of players, honestly. Um it affects a lot of different teams. Right. A lot of players and a lot of different teams. You know, all we care about is the Islanders, but they're not the only team in the NHL. And I can see why the NHL PA would say, you know what, you're kind of really screwing the players here just by arbitrarily deciding that it's just not going to happen this year. And I don't know what type of legal stance they could take on that, honestly. Um, you know, but what we're gonna find out. a lot of I and you know, was we're going into the playoffs and you know, you mentioned uh I, I think I wouldn't bet on the playoffs this year at all. There's no team that I said that team's gonna win. I just think everything is so up in the air. Um and it's it'll be interesting. Think about how many players are coming back from injury that are going to make teams stronger. And it it's gonna be fun. I got to say I am really going to enjoy uh the nhl playoffs this year and actually i was kind of looking forward to multiple rounds with uh, best of five series there's just more urgency i think it would have been great
0: yeah that's definitely an interesting perspective grumpy old man and you also talked about don't bet on the nhl playoffs this year and it's funny it reminded me of something i saw earlier on this week i can't remember who it was posted by but i believe it was um the odds they were giving, and it was a New York-based uh, media outlet. And to see the odds, I think they had the Rangers at the fifth or sixth most likely team to win the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I was just kind of laugh- – I was laughing my – I was literally laughing my ass off. I was just like, oh, goodness. I think the Islanders were close to dead last or near about. And, was- and when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is just somebody who looked at – what the win-loss ratio was and the winning percentage was down the stretch, and they said, yes, X, Y, and Z, this is why I support this. But I saw those odds, and you're talking about betting and everything like that. And I just kind of chuckled myself thinking that the Rangers, I think they were fifth or sixth most likely team by this media outlet <laughs> to win the NHL Stanley
1: Cup. Yeah, okay. Um, nothing that happened at the end of the season matters. I mean, nothing. How I mean, how long is it? I, I can't even tell. How long was it? Two two and a half, three months ago. How long was it? That was at the very
0: beginning. Of, I think it was the very beginning of March. It's okay. weird. Now I've got like coronavirus head and like quarantine head. I, well, technically, I haven't been all quarantined because of work. But yeah, I think it. I think it's been close to three months, grumpy okay. old man.
1: So in essence, you're talking about three months. It it doesn't mean anything. Anything that happened before doesn't mean the only thing that matters is players that you're getting back from injury, which I think is big. And that helps the Islanders. I'm going to be honest with you. Getting Adam Pellet back is going to be a huge get for them. Their defensive core is going to be strong. Uh, We're still going to have the same issues with not being able to score. Uh, I don't see how our power play is. I think power plays are going to be down maybe initially, which that doesn't hurt us at all because our power play doesn't do anything. Uh, But I think teams that have a solid defensive structure are going to be better off than high-scoring teams. I I just do. And I think that benefits the Islanders.
0: I'm going to make an argument on the contrary a little bit, Grumpy Old Man. You talked about the scoring and the lack of scoring. I'm not suggesting with this statement that I'm about to make that we are going to be leading the NHL playoffs in goals for. But I will say this much. When we do return back to the the format, I can see certain teams struggling and having defensive lapses because, again, they're – during this training time period before the actual playoff scenario, it's six weeks and they're not going to be playing a lot of live action games during that time period. And you don't need full go. So I could definitely see there being some defensive lapses, um, by these teams here in the playoffs. Now, again, if your team focuses on defense and that's what they predicate their entire game on, you'd like to think that their defensive lapses are going to be a little less. So, for example, the Islanders won't have as many defensive lapses. But I definitely could see teams having defensive issues early on.
1: I will say this. If, if that's correct, we have no chance in the playoffs. Just thinking, you know, if teams are going to be lax defensively at the beginning, we're in trouble.
0: No, I don't, I don't mean to say – let me let me correct myself. I don't mean to say they're going to be lax defensively. I'm just going to say they have lapses on defense, just like they're going to have lapses on offense. They're going to have these silly mistakes that they're going to make that every single team makes towards the beginning of the season where they have these little hiccups where they're saying, uh, you see this right here, Scott Mayfield? You're you know two foot further here when really we need you in this position here where you could have picked up Jake Gensel in that scenario. They're going to have issues like that. And again, I'm not saying that every single player is going to have these issues, but they are definitely going to be, you know, league wide, they're going to be a little hiccups here and there. I mean, the guys haven't had live action hockey in a long
1: time. Yeah, I just think it's easier to play defense than it is to generate offense. Uh, I mean, even look at baseball. Right at the beginning of spring training and everything, the uh, the uh, the pitchers are always ahead of the batters. I just think it takes more time to develop offensive chemistry and, you know, it's only three months or whatever, but I just think it's going to take a little bit of time to get the, you know, the lines rolling again. They haven't been playing with one another for, I mean, almost longer than a normal off season. It's going to be so, but it'll be interesting. I mean, like I said, I am really looking forward to the playoffs because, and I'm looking forward to watching uh, the majority of the games because, I just think it's. I think it's going to be crazy. I think that first round of five is going to be crazy and fantastic. And I, I would have loved to see the second round also be five games. I'm just looking for some excitement from this.
0: Well, Grumpy, I do think it also takes a while for offensive creativity to gel and to become cohesive. I guess what I'm kind of hitting at is I think we're going to see a sloppier NHL playoffs than what we would usually see, and that's kind of what I wanted to address. I think the energy and the enthusiasm and I think the hard hits are going to be there and then some because everybody is extremely well rested. But I think we're going to see a little bit of a sloppy game at times. I think, you know, just at the beginning of the season, there's always a little bit of sloppy errors that teams make offensively and defensively. I think it's easier to play a solid defensive game than to get high powered offense going at the beginning. I believe that. But I think we're going to see errors and mental lapses across the board.
1: Yeah, well, we could see, like I said I I am dying. I love best of five series. I think they're great. There's more urgency. There's just more urgency.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and again, obviously the home ice advantage depending depending how they they sort everything, what what the hubs are going to be, I don't think that should be a huge issue as long as if they, for example, pick a certain area where a team happens to be located, that that particular team plays at the other hub.
1: Well, um, it all depends if they let fans in too. If they don't let fans in, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, every rink is a little bit different, but, you know, home ice to me is going to be nothing this year. It doesn't matter. Seating, the only thing that matters about seating is the level of opponent you play. Home ice means nothing this year. And I'm fine with that too, I guess.
0: You and I differ a little bit on that. I think, again, like if, if a team, let's say Toronto was selected, and we talked about this on last podcast, if Toronto was selected and they happen to play in that hub, they obviously know the bounces of the boards a lot better than other teams do. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like it's not it's not huge, but it, I think it does play a little bit of a part in the equation.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is in hockey, the rinks are all the same size. Um, it's not like, you know, in baseball, you know, you got the green monster, so you kind of build your team for right-handed hitters or, you know, who fly, fly balls. Uh, you know, every, everything's the same in the NHL. And I think the biggest thing about home ice, uh, yeah, there's some quirky bounces off the boards every once in a while. I don't think it's that big a deal overall. Sometimes
0: the ice surface is different because remember it's during the summer. We yeah. usually the NHL usually concludes their season at the end of May, very early June. Worst comes worst. The latest it is because I mean the usual NHL draft is June six, correct, grumpy old man?
1: Yeah, right. I or
0: right around that, right yeah, around gonna, that time.
1: In June, it's not the sixth. Uh, it's a little bit later than that, but uh, you know. But uh, usually, it's like the tail end of June. But you know, all right, the ice is going to be the same for everybody. It's not like that's the way the ice has always been at that rink. Um, and like I said, but for me, home field advantage or home ice advantage, uh, you f- you can feed off a crowd, and that's uh, and you know that's another thing. You know, you think about referees sometimes are their calls affected by the crowd going crazy? And the emotions. Uh, or they've yeah. made a mistake. I mean, and I think those things are going to be eliminated. So I think that's also going to play into a lack of home ice advantage. Well, like I said, we'll see. Uh, like here's the thing: it's a brave new world out there for this playoff season. And I'm dying to see how it plays out. So this way I can probably just criticize it. But you never know. <laughs> love you.
0: Oh, goodness. And, yeah, just, just to say, Grumpy Old Man, I definitely do acknowledge, though, without fans in the stands, it definitely takes away the majority of that home ice advantage. Um, but I kind of want to also talk about something else I was reading there from the New York Post, I believe it was, Grumpy Old Man. They did a, a thought piece. And, you know, again, they're starved for actual content to cover during this time period, sporting related. Um, And they went ahead and decided to break down all of the best players to wear jerseys, number zero, all the way to 99 in New York sports history. And Grumpy, I know there has to at least be one person, because we talked about it before the podcast, Grumpy Old Man, number 22, Mike Bossy, was not selected.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned that to me, and honestly, when I saw that, uh, you know, when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, number 22. I said, couldn't be anybody but bossy. And they picked Dave DeBusher. I mean, all right. Dave DeBusher played on two Knicks championship teams, basketball, because most people probably don't even know who Dave DeBusher is. Uh, he was a small slash power forward, like six foot six. Uh, and he was part of the Knicks two championship teams in the early 70s. And he was an okay role player. He wasn't even the best player on that team. Not even close uh, to compare him to Mike Bossy. Well, here's the thing: these articles normally don't buy, don't bother me too much. But today, in today's time with no sports, you have plenty of time to research this. And obviously, once again, the Islanders and hockey in particular get the short shrift on, you know, any of these type of polls. You know, there was other, they also picked Willis Reed over Brian Trottier, which was also, I, I think, terrible. And it's like not even discussion. Either I mean, they had some things, when I looked at it, they had like a brief discussion on the players. This guy's obviously a, a basketball fan, because I just looked at some of the other just blowing through. Um, and it's like Dave DeBush and Willis Reed over Mike Bossy and Brian Trottier. No, sorry, I'm not buying that. Not in any way, shape, or form. The bush is <laughs> not a Hall of Famer. He's not even, to me, he's not even a top one hundred NBA player all time. DeBuscher uh, actually is a Hall of Famer. Is he? Well, you know yes, what? He, is. he didn't deserve it. He's, he he's aver- a Hall of
0: Famer and eight time All Star. The only reason I know is because I read up about it, and yeah. I and I, again because I didn't know who Dave DeBuscher was either. Again, he's a little bit before my time. I'm sure grumpy old man.
1: He was, but actually, I'm not a huge Knicks fan. Yeah, well, when he started, he was actually uh, he played. Uh, baseball uh, also for the Chicago White Sox organization. I believe it was a pitcher. Um, but I mean, like I said, I, I mean, I've seen Dave DeBuscher play. He just, I'm sorry. He's not Mike bossy. He's not a, I mean, he didn't win Conn Smythe trophy. He didn't win uh, NBA playoffs. MVP he just didn't. He was okay. He was a good player, but When you're saying the best number 22, he only played five years or six years with the Knicks. Bossy played his whole 10-year career with the Islanders and was – like I said, it's laughable. Those lifts are laughable, especially – and like I said, for me, just lazy on the rider coming up with this. When you had all summer to come up with this and that's the – or all spring to come up with this and that's the best you could come up with, do some research. Lazy bastard. (sighs) (laughs)
0: well that's that's what i was thinking as well grumpy old man because when i saw it i'm like you know i understand usually when things are busy and they're covering sports left and right and they have a chance to make a little bit of an opinion piece like that not enough research and time is allowed to be allotted to that but during this time period yeah there's all you have really is time um but when i saw that i knew I, i was like oh gosh grumpy i'm sure is going to be a little enraged. And, you know, rightfully so. Um and you're right. They did go ahead and, and go in kind of depth as to why certain players were selected and they did not do so there for Mike Bossy or Brian Trottier and why they were omitted or anything of that nature. But I knew you were you would find that interesting grumpy old man.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know another Rodney Hampton, number 27 running back for the Giants, who I liked. I think I think he played four or five years for the Giants. I mean you could say that Bobby Nystrom, uh Gave just as much to the New York sports team as Rodney Hampton. I mean, I liked Rodney Hampton, but he was injury prone. He was never the star for the Giants. He just wasn't. Um, You know, Bobby Nice from Mr. Islander scored, you know, the biggest goal in the history of the franchise.
0: Most Uh, iconic goal, definitely, for sure.
1: I mean, Willis Reed was, like I said, over Brian Trottier. You know, oh, Willis Reed, he came back for Game 7 of the finals against the Lakers. And, you know, we just hobbled around out there. You know, it was an inspirational moment. He was the captain of the Knicks. But was he a better player long-term than Brian Trottier? Absolutely not. And Dave DeBusher, Well, he's Dave DeBusher. He's not Mike Bossy. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh,
0: and Grumpy, and I know this is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but there was something interesting. I know we were talking about this, I want to say, close to seven, eight, maybe close to maybe even 10 months ago about the salary cap issue that the Islanders are going to face and how we would really need Lou Lamarillo to get very creative as to how to shed some of this cap. And as we get closer and closer, I guess, to the NHL resuming and people are starting to look back into sports again, you've I've been definitely seeing some interesting ways about how people think there we should shed some cap and I'm I'm not even really going to dive in too much of what exactly are on on the table here of possible suggestions of how we can shed some cap but it's funny now that everybody's coming to this you know this wide conception that Yes, we do have cap issues, and people were laughing us off the stage, telling us, we don't have an issue with that, don't worry about it, you know, we can do this, we can finagle this, the cap's going to expand, everything like this, and sure enough, you know, worst case scenario, coronavirus hits, cap doesn't expand in all likelihood, and everybody's starting to realize now that we are in a cap situation.
1: That's because TJ and the grumpy old man are way ahead of the curve on these things, honestly, and... We knew there was going to be a cap problem. I knew as soon as they decided to sign back all three of those veterans last year, that was a mistake. And it's going to continue to be a mistake for years to come. Uh, I think san- signing Anders Lee back, w- that was a horrific deal. Nelson, not much better. Jordan Eberle. Nelson was a good signing. No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, not six years at $6 million per. If, even if you want him, I, you value him much higher than I do. Uh, I do. We'll, see, we'll see when he disappears come playoff time again this year. And maybe he won't. <laughs> you know, Anders Lee, another zero in the playoffs. I mean, you know, those guys don't produce. You don't reward guys who don't produce in the playoffs. At least I don't. Uh, Jordan Eberle, I, I mean, I thought he was – out of all of them, he was the only guy I considered ha- taking back, if you remember. Because I just thought he had such good chemistry with Barzal, the other and he guy, had such
0: a good playoff series too. I mean, his right. first playoff series was extremely, extremely hot against. Was it Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh correct.
1: Yep. Right. And
0: then he right. played extremely well against the Hurricanes, despite not really coming away with a lot of points on the board. He would hit the post and the crossbar multiple different occasions. So I know everybody was high on Jordan Everly towards the end of the year, and I was as well.
1: And his deal, but his deal, what five years, five million per? I'm fine with that. That I mean, that that's pretty good. I thought that Nelson was a little bit of an overpay. I just especially for a one year wonder. Um, and he performed okay this year. Well, now it's a two year
0: wonder. Yeah. Okay, Grumpy. This is a career season for him. If the coronavirus didn't come around, he would have put up career numbers again.
1: No, he would not have put up career numbers. He would not have. Okay, because he fell off he fell off the table at the end. You know that. And Anders Lee's just been a bust. You know, it just average Anders. It's just he is what he is just an average player who needs somebody to create for him because he's not capable and he's still going to be here for another six years. I, Like I said, that was, that was the worst of the bunch, but that's how you get yourself in cap trouble is by signing older players to long-term big money deals. I mean, period. I mean, I called that, I called that before off season last year. I said, don't sign those guys back. And now everybody else is on the grumpy old man train. Get off. Uh, because the grumpy old man was right. And you were wrong.
0: Well, I want to I, I, – there's so many different things I have to address with that statement, Grumpy. Uh, first off, Brock Nelson did have a career year in points already this season. He beat his his best career total by one point in the abbreviated season.
1: How many, Again, points, did How many points did he have? 54. Wow, that's incredible. 54
0: in 68 games. Okay, well, he's on Okay, he's on pace to hit at least 60-plus points in the season. I'm not turning my nose up at a guy who puts up 60-plus points in a year. I'm just not doing it. Um and to speak about the train, Grumpy, I thought you would be welcoming everybody on the Grumpy Old Man train and thought process because you're right. You have to feel vindicated a little bit. And again, like people had slowly started talking about this, but Lou and Larry Murillo is really going to have to get creative because it's not like we can just send off some of these bad contracts and toxic contracts we have on our on our current organization with draft picks. I mean, it's going to be really tough to go ahead and get rid of some of these guys. And I've been seeing some ideas that, again, I'm not opposed to something like this because I think it's realistic for both parties. But where we have to give up some some prospects or some sort of young asset as well as some of these older guys that have those toxic contracts in order to get rid of them and free up some cap space.
1: Buy them out. Buy them out. That's what I would do. Buy them out. Whoever you can save money on a buyout. Do that. Look at look at your roster and see who you can save the most money on in the buyout. I don't.
0: I, and the thing is, the way I think th- I think the raw the uh, the way certain um, contracts are established, it doesn't really allow a buyout to be beneficial for us. Like for example, like you've got the Andrew Lads and the things like that. It doesn't really allow the buyout to be all that beneficial for us long-term
1: well that means that the contract was structured incorrect incorrectly to bin, begin with that's what it means see and that's i mean andrew led i'm gonna blame on snow of course but you know you don't pay there's ways to structure deals where if you have to do a buy on somebody it benefits your team in the long run i mean but when you don't like the lad deal which is not Uh, beneficial to us it never has been and a buyout's not beneficial he's not a guy I'm even talking about but I mean I I don't know how they structure their deals there I mean let's be honest Lamarillo put Toronto in cap hell too with what he did when they were a young team he he was doing great with them but as soon as they had started to have to pay those guys money now they're in cap hell too I mean it's not a mistake I just don't think that he has a full grasp of the salary cap and the ramifications going forward. I think they need somebody who's just a capologist, so to speak. <laughs> who can, uh, you know, structure these deals where if we need to get out of them, we can. Uh, if we need to make a trade, it doesn't hurt our team. I I just don't think that this team can afford to trade young players uh, to get rid of old players. I mean, what do you? Who else are you going to bring in? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Well,
0: when you're talking about it, and and you saw what Kyle Dubas did. Right. In order to get rid of some of those toxic contracts, he had to give away first round draft picks to accompany them to entice teams to take on a guy like Patrick Marlowe and things of that nature. And my point was, we don't have those draft picks to go ahead and give those those type of players to package them up. And the only thing really we even have, and I'd say our organizational depth uh, or uh, prospect depth pool is not very deep. We have a few guys, maybe here or there, that could be, you know, borderline. Okay, maybe a top four defenseman, maybe a guy who might be able to work his way into a top six forward over time. But I could definitely see the Islanders having to trade away some of their younger prospects or some of their prospect pool as well as these aged. Aged veterans that are, are tied to these big-term contracts in order to free up some cap space. I could definitely see the islanders having to do that this offseason, and I'm not gonna like it, but it's gonna have to be done in all likelihood.
1: We have so many of those players though. We have so many of those players. I I don't I don't see where one little thing or two little things helps us in the long run. It's like three or
0: four because they're you're right. We do have so many different players. It's not like it's one specific player that's tied to you know. 10 million or 12 million or anything like that. You're right. It's a lot of different contracts. And in order to spread the wealth and to get rid of those, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to package them up, I feel like. And I'm not gonna be happy with having to get rid of those prospects. And and certain players, I'm sure I'm not gonna agree with some of the trades that we're gonna to have to make this offseason, but it has to be done.
1: Well, who knows if he's even gonna do that? He's he hasn't really done anything. He already made the Pajot trade and the green trade, which I thought considering where we were in the standings made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, he given up, like I said, he's giving up the draft picks. The biggest issue is look at how many guys we have closing in or, you know, on the backside of their careers for certain 28, 29, 30 years old with long term deals. Look at them. I mean, just count out Ladd, Boychuk, Letty. All right, Checks not uh, Well, Letty, Letty,
0: Letty's not old, but you're right. we do have – and we've broken this down before. We have a lot of players that are 27 years or older that are tied to at least six-year deals. And you're right. Towards the end of those contracts, that is a really bad deal, and we've talked about it. And now, because the, the cap is not going to expand as much due to the coronavirus and the lack of the revenue brought in by the NHL this year – and the needing to sign, you know, the big four pieces this offseason, and that being Sorokin, Matt Barzal, Devon Taves, and Ryan Pulak, we definitely need to free up some cap space. And you're right, Crumpy. Lou's going to have to do something. I don't think he just lets people walk, and I don't think he's going to get anybody to sign me sweetheart deals anytime soon.
1: See, that's why my plan last year was not sign our aging veterans to long-term deals. It was to lock up the guys who were a year away from a uh, free agency, the Barzals, the Pulaks, and the Taves, before they took a jump in their career and wanted more money. You signed them to long-term extensions. They're the future of the team, not the old guys, and that's the whole thing. Then you see what you have left, and you don't have the the, the problem that you're going to have this year. You would have taken care of it last year, and then you could have sprinkled in a couple of those veterans. You didn't need them all coming back, Okay and then that's what that's what you should have done you don't invest in old guys you invest in the youth of the team
0: well and and we had even talked about that on prior podcasts as well that's kind of how the league is changing where teams would much rather pay the younger player who's just now off his entry-level contract, maybe he's had one or two years as a restricted free agent in a deal, and they would much rather pay him a huge contract with a lot of term so they would be able to, to get this player ideally during the prime of his career. And, you know, after the prime, you could maybe see a little bit of a dip or possibly um, – in, in the pay of that nature. But you're seeing a lot of teams pay the, the you know, the top tier players and the big name guys more earlier on in their career rather than paying them at the back end of their career for prior performances. They're paying based off of what they could see in future performances.
1: And that's that's the way to do it. I mean, it's smart. I mean, and think about how long it's taken teams to learn that. You know, when free agency first started, it was like a fantasy hockey. Oh, let's bring every big name in here. They didn't care about the back end. Um, and then they learned, oh, geez, you know what? Signing these guys to those long-term deals is really a mistake, signing the older players. The only guys who haven't learned are the Lou Lamarillos of the world, the really old guys who still you know, believe in the veteran system. And today, well, there's, there's, a, there's a
0: lot of coaches. I'm not going to say just Lou Lamarillo. There's I'm, I'm sorry, not coaches. There's a lot of GMs that do that, not just Lou Lamarillo. Let's be fair and honest about it. Um, But speaking about terrible, horrendous, organizational, altering general managers, did you know, Grumpy Old Man, two years ago, yesterday, Garth Snow was relieved as his duties as general manager of the New York Islanders. You you mentioned him earlier, and I was like, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that to you, Grumpy Old Man. It's almost a two-year anniversary of saying goodbye to our, you know, I'd have to say he's my second least favorite Islanders general manager right behind Mike Milbury.
1: Well, there's only been a few GMs in Islander history. Uh, Don Maloney was another one uh, who was not great. Well, maybe it was Dan Maloney. I don't remember which Maloney it was. Um, But, yeah, you know, and honestly, before the trade deadline, it's like we went a year and a half without a general manager because Lou Lamerell didn't do anything for the team. Uh, so you know, I guess you can look at it that way. And I'm not bashing on Lou. I guess I am. I just think the game is passed and by in certain respects. And the first thing the Islanders should do honestly is bring in a capologist, somebody who specifies in handling the cap and how to structure deals so we don't get in the situation that we're in now. And that's gonna be another hot take that, you know, eight months from now, a year from now, you're gonna see everybody jumping on the grumpy old man bandwagon about something like that. It's just a common sense move. And like I said, most people think for the today, they don't think about for the tomorrow. And when you get to be the grumpy old man's age, you got to kind of think about the tomorrow also. So that's kind of where I am with all these things. And like I said, I'm not a capologist. I'm just a common sense guy who's always right.
0: (laughs) They need to bring a financier in for sure, grumpy old man. And, And I think you're right. A lot of people can't see the forest for the trees.
1: Yeah, was I that mean,
0: was that correct? Was that the correct one, Grumpy Old Man? Did they finally yeah. get one right? I can't Boom. believe
1: you got one right. Uh, now I've got to end the
0: podcast. <laughs> well,
1: it's, it's, it doesn't save you from the road bump, speed bump fiasco of earlier, um, but at least you got. I'm sure you probably looked that up on your phone to try to figure out, you know, oh, what's a saying I could use? But yes, that is the correct saying. And I don't think you should be complimented for saying something right, you millennial. I think that you're supposed to do things right. And you just get criticized when you do something wrong.
0: Grumpy, I was excited because that's not usually a field that I excel in. Those type of sayings, for whatever reason, I always find a way to butcher them. And I got one right, and I was excited about it. Um, no, I didn't look it up. I think someone else was actually mentioning that to me a few, actually a week or so ago. And I just remembered it came off the top of my head. But Grumpy, uh, is there anything else you kind of want to talk about before we concluded today's podcast?
1: No, I like I said. I'm just, I just can't wait for the playoffs to start up again. I am really geeked up. Um, I'm going to be really excited. I mean, you're going to have full rosters, really, you know, barring any injuries now for the most part. You're going to see Gensel coming back for, for Pittsburgh, uh, Jones coming back for the Blue Jackets.
0: Steve Santos was injured to a certain extent, wasn't yeah, he? For the, the he's going be be to
1: be back. Everyone's going to be healthy. All right, everyone's going to be healthy. Uh, and Pellick is coming back for us, which is a huge. I mean, that's that's huge for us. I mean, I think we really kind of that really hurt our defense when he wasn't there. Uh, he that first pairing was just so solid. Um, and like I said, high tide lifts all boats. Bye bye, no adoption for this year. Uh, I think Johnny Boychuk might be a guy who sits a lot. I mean, I think Andy Green is going to play. Um, and you know, it is what it is. We're gonna see going forward. I think it's gonna be exciting. And hopefully, you know, you know, I, I'm just I'm interested. I'm looking at the Florida matchup and just trying to think of some players who performed well for Florida. And you know what? Thomas Grice played really well against Florida this year. And uh I I know they're thinking about probably starting Varlamov, but I might go with Grice in the series, honestly. He performed well against them in the playoff series a couple of years ago. That's be the guy I'd ride.
0: And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, more as we get a little closer to the actual matchup and start breaking that down. Um, Grumpy, oh, goodness, I just forgot. I was going to mention something, um, but it, it seems to have eluded me. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to kind of add before we conclude the podcast, Grumpy?
1: No, I just wanted to throw the Grice thing in there because if we do that like in a, a couple of weeks when we preview that series, I might have forgotten about Thomas Grice by then, you know, because I'm getting old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh goodness, grumpy old man. Oh, I'm sorry. Now I remember. Good. You stalled just long enough, grumpy old man, for me to remember my point. Um, you talked about how Andy Green would be utilized possibly over Johnny Boychuck. And if we see that, I think, and, I, and I've seen, I think it's Brandon Gaines who showed me a few times the idea of this and um, of maybe Johnny Boychuk is one of these guys that we'd be able to offload. Of course, we'd have to give somebody a promising piece back in return to take on his cap um, for the remainder of his career. And we might actually see maybe a one-year extension to a guy like Andy Green because if he's going to be utilized over Johnny Boychuk here in the playoffs, you kind of know where the organization sits with where they value Andy Green as opposed
1: to Johnny Boychuk. Well, Green plays on the left-hand side. Johnny plays on the right hand side, so I don't know. I, but I don't before, know.
0: before this even happened, though, you looked at the old pairings before Noah Dobson and, and you know the volatility we've had there. I I mean it was Pelic. Well, it was what was that yeah, they
1: they had they had Dobson playing on on his offside. They left Johnny playing the right side, which drove me crazy. To me, you play the young guy on his strong side and you let the veteran play on uh, hypothetically but maybe the fact that johnny can't skate anymore is why they wanted to leave him on the right side i don't know but i i thought that was a mistake i mean if you're breaking a kid in you don't want to have him you want him to give him the greatest chance to succeed have him play on the strong side i mean he's a right hand he's a right he's a right defenseman that's what he is but he played on the left side when he was teamed with johnny so i mean i just i mean i just it'll be interesting to see i'm really interested to see how it plays out it really is
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the podcast as always, and thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network again. I know this is we're getting to a time period where we're almost in the off season now. Um, it feels like you know what I mean. We've endured an entire off of three months, and I'm definitely getting ready to see some hockey return. And, and definitely, a big thank you to them again. They allow us to publish this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen to your podcasts on Apple, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. But again, Grumpy Old Man, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk a little bit Islanders with me.
1: My pleasure as always.